years, your brain might turn to putty. But there's still a chance to learn. We'll be your study buddies. We're going to talk about some stuff and make research cool. Welcome back to another week of Study Buddies, the podcast where we bring you the latest in science and psychology. And sometimes more. This week, we are back with a Passing Notes episode of a last week's study. My name is Paola Sanchez Abreu. And my name is Taylor Collins. And we're your co-hosts. We're going to throw it on back pretty quick, jump right into it, um, and talk a little bit about the study that we brought in last week. Yeah, so the study that we brought in last week was called Relationship of Childhood Abuse and Household Dysfunction to Many of the Leading Causes of Death in Adults. Yeah. So, Paola, will you give us kind of like a summary of what we had talked about? Yes, I can complete this test with absolute perfection. So... The purpose of this study was to look at how adverse childhood experiences, otherwise known as ACEs, impact health outcomes as adults. Um, So it was a pretty large study. They were able to use about 8,500 participants in the end after some people fell out. And the way that they did it was they had them complete a questionnaire of 17 questions to evaluate their ACE score, right? Their adverse experiences in childhood. Yep. And so I'll just give you a little brief review of those seven categories that all those questions fit into. So they had abuse and then three categories within that were psychological abuse, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. And there were a total of eight questions And then there was household dysfunction, and within household dysfunction, there were four different categories, substance abuse, mental illness, mother treated violently, and criminal behavior in the household. And they asked these questions in the form of, while you were growing up during your first 18 years of life, blah, 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 following questions about um, abuse and household dysfunction. Sean, how are we doing, Taylor? Am I doing good? You're doing great. I think it's, it's yeah. So this was one of the first, like, these questions that they had taken, right, were a lot of them were formed from other studies or taken from other definitions that were right. previously described. But this was the first one to really put them together and really ask to start to understand these. And they were put together by a health clinic. So this is like a medical study where I right. think a lot of times these other variables that Paula just described a lot of times are looked at from like a psych lens or a sociology lens but this was like a medical lens mm-hmm. saying let's actually take these variables of abuse and dis- household dysfunction and see how they're impacting people medically. That leads me into the second part of the study, which was looking at the health data of these participants. So Mm -hmm. they basically just looked at their behaviors, our health data that was linked to mortality. So things including um, risky behaviors like smoking, anything like severe obesity, physical inactivity, depression, depressed mood, suicide attempts, alcoholism, drug abuses, um, IV drug abuses, uh, a high lifetime number of sexual partners, like 50 plus sexual partners, and a history of having sexually transmitted infections. And so they used all of these these questions to analyze the data along with their ACE scores. And so they did a lot of fancy statistics, fancy statistics to figure out, you know, what the results of this were. Basically, I'll just touch on a couple, but the people that were 
most likely to have ACE scores, about 52% of the participants experienced at least one category of adverse childhood experience or exposure. Mm -hmm. And then they also found that if you were exposed to any one category, you were statistically more likely to have been exposed to any of the others, which is pretty wild to me. So if you experience one of the factors, you are more likely to have experienced more than one. And dun, 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 the results, the results. Yeah. So what did they find? They found that they compared those with a score of zero to those who had four or more on their ACE score. And they found out that people that had four or more adverse childhood experiences were 7.4 times more likely to consider themselves an alcoholic. They were 10.3 times as likely to be IV drug users. They were 12.2 times more likely to have attempted suicides. They were also more likely to be a current smoker. They were more likely to have used illicit drugs. They were more likely to have had 50 plus sex partners. They were more likely to have an STD. And they were more likely to have felt two or more weeks of depression or depressed mood in the past year. So that's huge. And then specifically talking about disease, they found a really significant relationship between those ACE scores and like diseases and physical illnesses such as ischemic heart disease, cancer, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, history of hepatitis or jaundice, skeletal fractures, poor self-related health. So yeah, and this was a really huge study. This is a study that has kind of set the groundwork for a lot of further research about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. Um, And it's one of the first that really links the impact of adverse childhood experiences on your adult health status. This study has, for me as a clinician, been pretty important. Mm -hmm. I remember learning about this when I was an undergraduate student. Again, this study is back from, like, was published in 1998. Yeah. But a lot of the clinical work I do now, we use this work when we work with parents um, to understand like family Mm. dysfunction and things that parents might have went through that might influence the cycles that families are going through now. So I know that for me, this, even this study has a huge impact on, on what I do clinically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was super happy to, to look at this study too. I feel like, I feel like this is one of the first studies where in doing my test review, I like feel very confident that I got an A because I feel like I really took in a lot of the information. Is that correct? Did I, did I get an A? Yeah. Or? Oh, you, I, you have an ACE score on the ACEs. Uh, <laughs> I aced the ACEs study. You did. I think with that being said, we should probably move into our first segment about this study since we're pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah. And our first segment is the data data and it's a segment where we look at how the data could influence our day-to-day on a personal level yeah so with this being said we're not going to reveal to you our a score it's um (laughs) definitely not gonna tell you guys all about that i'm all for some self-disclosure but i think things like our intense like deeply troubling childhood traumas that's gonna be reserved for you know our own therapists yeah yeah but with that being said i think it's it's interesting to note because you know, not everyone's going to walk into a room and be like, well, let me tell you how many times this happened in my family when I was under the age of seven. Like, you never know what somebody's dealing with when they walk into a room. 
Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Like you don't you don't know what someone's been through and it's this is these are things that people don't wear on their sleeve. Right. A lot of times in our podcast we talk about things like different forms of privilege and some things yeah. are like privilege that you can like see on someone like their skin color mm-hmm. or what they look like um, and some things like potentially their religion or um, their sexuality or their gender identity are things you cannot see. And I think that – I don't know if it's exactly privilege but maybe an advantage of like yeah. how much exposure to – potentially traumatic events such as things like in the adverse childhood experiences study because there's definitely things beyond this study like this study is just like highlights some of these things that weren't looked at prior Mm -hmm. but I think like you don't have an understanding of when you meet someone whether or not their parents had an alcohol problem or were fighting with each other and I think that's something that like occurs like across different things and so it's something to keep in mind in our personal life like that people aren't open about these things and you I guess you don't know who you're meeting and what they've been through yeah I think that like I growing up you know I feel like I I heard like some things like oh like you know we don't hang out with them or well uh or like, I think that that definitely happened when I was in the Dominican Republic more, like, over the summers and, like, would make friends in the street and then, like, would go home and be like, who did I meet? And my mom or my grandma would say, like, oh, we don't we don't really talk to them. Like, this, you know, this, 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 this. And I never really thought, like, twice about it as a kid, but that definitely, like, felt like it was instilled in me when I was growing up. Um, like, it definitely made its mark in my brain. And so... There was a, like a long while in high school where I, I feel like I had judged people a little bit for having one just like not knowing how to eat healthy or like, you know, little things like that where I'll be like, oh, well, that, you know, like they're just not disciplined or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it was upon actually learning about childhood trauma in college through my through my theater program that I was able to understand a little bit more about this. And then I, I learned about the ACE study you know, the, the, this actual study a little bit later, but yeah. it's, it's amazing how easily it is, how easy it is for you to become accustomed to like your childhood being like the ideal childhood. If you have a good childhood and like judging other people for not having that childhood when it's not, it's not in their hands a lot of the time. Yeah. So I definitely feel like being reminded that like ACE scores are are they're in there they're in everybody you know whether it's zero or seven and being sensitive and meeting somebody where they're at has become really important to me upon learning more about this yeah and I I think it's interesting because I think we've been conditioned not to talk about aces like yeah it's that same sense of don't bring up politics it's not polite I think, like, historically, people didn't want to talk about sexual abuse and people didn't want to talk about if a family member was in jail, people would, like, lie about it or hide things. Or if someone was beating their wife, like, it was something – There, I just think that these types of, like, deeply troubling family matters have a history of being, like, let's sweep these under the rug. These are not polite to talk about. These aren't okay. This is something you should be ashamed of. Yeah. I definitely – think that like it was it was amazing when these things were because I feel like in middle school like I had friends that would come to me and tell me about this stuff that was happening in their homes and I would be like oh wow like that's so intense and deep and heavy 
And then like suddenly high school hit and nobody was saying anything to me about it. Like even my closest friends wouldn't reveal. And I later found out like, you know, after you, after I matured, like, you know, some stuff, but it's, it's pretty wild. Like the, how, like, it's just, it's kind of like this learned thing that you just don't talk about Mm -hmm. the stuff that's happening close to home. Yeah. Yeah. With that in mind, I actually think that our, you know, our day-to-day is is quite short because we're not going to talk about our own personal aces. Right. I agree. Uh, (laughs) But we will link um, in the show notes. So if you guys, you know, if you really want to take some like deep looks at your own history, you can uh, look at how, you know, to find your own ace score. And I don't, I I want to say that like with a, with a, an actual look at like that it can be a, a tough thing so if you do decide yeah. to look at your a score like take it take it at a time where you really just like want to sit down and think about it and you have that you're in that mental space to be able to do that because as we read when we read through some of the questions last week like some of them are just very invasive and if you have had some of those experiences they can be very triggering um so you want to yeah. be in a space to explore that and in a space to be comfortable doing that and I think it's it's actually a really good thing to do to evaluate your own ACE score and work on that mm-hmm. sort of self-reflection and understanding because blocking those things out and pretending they don't didn't happen don't change the fact that they're going to influence you. Um, so yeah. acknowledging them can help you work through them and understand them and even maybe help to work past some of the ways they may influence you or may have changed some of your habits or behaviors or tendencies or communication patterns or physiological responses uh perhaps but i i think it's it's definitely something that's valuable to do for yourself but make sure you're in the right headspace if you do want to like take that journey or or start on on looking into your own aces yeah really quick interjection in that point dax shepherd who is an actor um, he was in. Oh, what is he in? Movie? He sounds really familiar. No, he's. You know him. He's in that movie where Wedding Crashers. He's one of the dudes in Wedding Crashers. He's, okay. You'll recognize him the moment you see him. He's married to Kristen Bell. Um, I love but he her. talks. Yeah, they're so cute. He has a podcast, and I don't remember the name, uh, which isn't helpful. But when I find it, I'll let you know on Instagram. And. Uh, his podcast, he experienced a lot of adverse childhood exposure and he, um, often talks about on his podcast, his own aces, like very, very, you know, out in the open. And I personally found it to be really comforting to listen to the way that he approaches it because it just feels like it is, it's not stigmatized in the way that he's talking about it. And I just recommend that I found it to be very like supportive it's a supportive place. So that's just a good reference. That's a, a big part of it too. Like something, and this is like a, I guess a little bit of a tangent um, on the idea of aces, but I think like where you share your aces is important just in like, mm-hmm. just an aspect of like who you trust and can they hold that. So if you're yeah. sharing something that's really difficult that society has a tendency to shame or not want to talk about or it's something that you know people are again conditioned to not respond positively to and if you're going to share that about yourself make sure you're going to share it or explore that with someone who is going to be respectful of that I think yeah it's like there's uh, the one of the reasons that we I think aren't sharing is because there is a 
deep vulnerability to going through this work in general and much less doing it in like a, yeah. a public eye or in any sort of audience. So any sort of audience you go through sharing these personal experiences, especially ones that you went through in childhood, like you can receive criticism from that. And so you want to make sure that if you're going to yeah. share this with someone, like you're not going to share it with someone who's like, or at least maybe you maybe you shouldn't, but it might not be always the best idea to share it with someone who's like on the bus next to you. Um, but maybe with someone <laughs> yeah. who you've gotten to know, that might yeah. be a better place of where to go through like exploring these things. Again, not that there yeah. should be a stigma about sharing any part of your life or history, um, but just making sure that it's not going to affect you negatively if the person who you're talking to with doesn't give you the response that you needed in that moment. Yeah, that's precisely it. Yeah. Let's head into macaroni and cheese. And this is a segment where we connect the study suggestions to the bigger picture. So when we're talking about health and our, I mean, we have a really, as we can see right now, like our healthcare system is pretty messed up. And um, I think when our healthcare system doesn't also include all of these like ACEs as potential, you know, I mean, honestly, pre-existing conditions, then like how do we begin to like address these things uh, in in our doctor's offices? <laughs> I think that this study is kind of like a huge push for collaborative care, like on a on a macro level, ha- like how important is it for your primary care physician to be screening for some of these things so that way we can, prevent and on all of those different levels, like the primary prevention of avoiding the ACEs and trying to help families who are, you know, more likely to to have those things happening uh, and prevent then preventing the like risky behaviors that might stem from that. And then ultimately disease like a collaborative care approach means we're looking to move forward in the healthcare setting to synthesize like mental health care, as well as like case management and like direct assistance to families, like nutrition and medical mm. care. And I think the problem with our, our health care yeah. system right now is that things are so segregated that when you have less collaborative care, things are more likely to fall through the cracks. When your mental health clinician is not speaking to your primary care physician and your primary care physician is not yeah. speaking to your dentist who is not speaking to, I don't know, what other doctors do people have? Like an optometrist? I don't really know yeah, how much your, your optometrist your matters, but it probably your, does. Your chronic pain doctor, yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Like when, you're, when, you're, when your mental health piece is not – like, and so, so many times with mental health, this is like one thing I really struggle with, which there's so much like push somewhat in the idea of like moving to- towards holistic care and like health mm-hmm. in a way that incorporates like – mind and body and wellness like you need to work out and you need to eat well in order to feel good and that helps your mental health and like this is something we understand but when we actually look at what we do like medically (laughs) and systemically we look at it doesn't line up like therapy is talk therapy like I as a therapist it would be very bizarre for me to be like hey we're gonna go work out together with one of my clients like that would be like not Mm. my role Yeah. And I think it's just really odd that we have this like tendency to just separate physical wellness from mental wellness um, when they're so, so connected. Yeah. It's like my mom always tells me about this book and I think the title says it all, which is probably why I haven't read it. Um, (laughs) The the book is it's called The Body Keeps Score. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's it's basically it talks about how like all of you know your experiences are held in places in your body whether it be in your brain or in your muscles or whatever like your fascia your tissues like it's there and I've always believed that I mean I, I struggle yeah. I, I suffer from chronic pain and so I and a lot of it has to do with my, my mental state like where I am and um, in my world and, and like if I am in a bad place like I am going to be in more pain and if I am in more pain then I'm going to be in a worse place like it's a it's a it's a just a wretched right. cycle and I think that we we underestimate that and this study has highlighted I think um, how underestimated I think it may be in the in the medical industry because it's funny the study came out what 1998 and I I mean I've been to a doctor many times since 1998 and I don't feel <laughs> like these things are being taken into account when I go to the right. doctor. No, and I I think there's this there's this really interesting thing that happens at least I've found this like with with my work as a clinician but even in my personal life with like things that I've had family members go through or friends go through yeah. that there is this idea that like this symptom is either physical or mental. Um, okay, we can't find a physical reason for it, so it must be mental. So then you are referred to like a clinician and a cl- like then the yeah. clinician, like a, sorry, a mental health clinician, then the mental health clinician's like, well, we need to rule out something medical. So you're kind of bounced back and forth between these two like dyads that are, yeah. again are just very like very separate. Yeah. Even though they're like scientifically not separate. Like, yeah, there's been many studies that have proven that they're not separate. And yet we're continuing to treat them separately, which I don't know, perhaps it's just us being so immersed in like this Western idea of like medicine is medicine and like feelings are your feelings and like those things are different. But I mean, I personally think that we need to find a better way to like socially deal with all right. of these issues. The care isn't currently set up that way. And I think speaking of better ways to like, you know, deal with these issues, like this study, I think some of the really important, the facts that stood out to me are that if you have four or more, four or more adverse childhood experiences, you are 10 times more likely to become an IV drug user and 12 times more likely to have an attempted suicide. Like that's huge that is not something that i think we should minimize like there is no small like that is a yeah that is a that's a public health issue (laughs) absolutely like it not only it does this connect like medically but it's connecting in like these risk behaviors that we're again separating like people i think again our society is very individualistic and loves to kind of measure everyone with this same yardstick and say like so true. this is this is the choice that you made you chose to become an IV drug user you chose to try to commit yeah. suicide because you're selfish like the because you can't handle it or because you're weak like these yeah. are these are the mindsets and the the frame of mind mm-hmm. that I, a lot of people actually carry with them and it makes it's true it minimizes what actually comes behind those issues and so when we minimize yeah. the causes for those issues things like these tr- childhood traumas and these adverse experiences that are actually contributing to them it makes it so we're not putting funding and the correct attention That's so true. to preventing them from actually happening because we're pretending yep. that those that that suicide attempts are a choice and that drug use is a choice and that you know smoking is always a choice and average sexual partners is a choice like the I don't think these are all like it's not that every person that does these things are like 
actively self-destructing. Like they're not doing it on purpose. These are these are like mental health and physical health things that are combined to create a problem that is statistically showing that there's a reason for them. Yeah, it's it's this it's this funny line, right, between like oh, well, you have to take responsibility for your actions and everyone can build the American dream. Like, yeah. And also, like, do we have a system that allows people to take responsibility for their actions because they are actively making that choice? I think a lot of the times, like, people are kind of being funneled into a lifestyle choice. And there's a lot of times where they can make a different choice. But are they genetically inclined at that point? Are they neurologically inclined at that point to make the the right or better choice and I mean the science is is saying hey no right <laughs> that's not the case and I just think I think that's this is like for me it's just such a narrow and simple choice to write other humans off and say well you just are a drug user like it's re- it's really right. easy to write people off and decide that they yeah. made a choice they deserve it they're they're deserving of the life that they have and the struggles that they have because of the mm. choices they've made and once we decide that yeah. someone deserves a subpar quality of life or to le- yeah. legitimately be facing like death or disease um because yeah. of their choices then we've gotten to a position where like we've removed the humanity from that individual and forgotten that there's other things behind that person outside of this thing that we're saying is a choice that, that they're, you know, wrapped up in. Yeah. That's, that's so very true. It is an issue of humanity. Yeah. So just be nice to people. (laughs) I think most of the times we end up having a podcast, I end up with like an overall uh, like idea of like, well, just be kind. And, um, yeah. Like mother goose it right at, be right at the end there. Yeah, be kind and acknowledge where you are coming from and acknowledge how you can move forward. Just And also be nice. It just don't write people off. Like, again, you, 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 the person standing next to you, you don't know what they've went through to get there. And for them, that can, yeah. they may be, you know, a cashier at a store and you might, like, look, look down at that. And you don't know what they've been through in their life to be able to hold and maintain that job. And... Or they can be, you know, someone who has this amazing job and you've worked your butt off and you can't get to that place. And it's because you've had so many more challenges thrown your way than the person who is this person you're aspiring to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Well, I think that that is it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us for a Passing Notes discussion on a very tender study. Uh, and we will link more information in the show notes and, um, please do check out our Instagram so, um, we can show you some graphs and some data and some charts. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. We do have a really, um, exciting chart that goes, that's from the study that we're excited to post. And, uh, we did want to let you know that next week we will be off. So next week we will also, uh, be taking a break from our normally scheduled programming. And instead we are going to do a much more lighthearted, short buffer episode uh, for you guys um, just to have a more relaxed holiday break and then we're going to join you back after the new year in 2021 when everything will magically be better because 2020 is over and we'll leave it in this burning hellfire pit that it is and Mm -hmm. we will start our regularly scheduled program back then. 
Oh, yeah. So looking forward to you to seeing you that first Tuesday in January. And we hope you have a great holiday season. We are French or Italian now and trying to mimic her <laughs> accent. And I don't know what one I'm going towards. Oh, no. It's... oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys in January. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Study Buddies was created by Paula Sanchez Abreu and Taylor Collins. Our graphic design was done by Monica Ray Summers Gonzalez, and our intro song was composed by singer songwriter Caught In Between. You can follow Study Buddies on Instagram at studybuddies.com and email the show at studybuddiespodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>